0: Is you looking for them, tell you a story. Yesterday I get a call first thing in the morning. Say, "Hey, you want to go shoot guns?" And I said, "Sure." So we went out and we shot skeet. Those things don't taste good. And if anybody got a recipe for them, let us know. But we, we, I have a bruise on my arm right here. My, my left, my right arm feels. Wonderful, yeah. Out of the group of us, John ended up being the best shot. And I tied for second, I'd do it good until I got tired, and then I could the The broadside of a barn, those little skeets are fast, I'll go ahead and tell you that. But we had a good time with that yesterday. But you know, as I we I, I joked around, we joked the whole time about eating the things, and basically, they're clay, you can't eat them. You know, there there, there, there is kind of reminding me of the sermon, actually, I preached. And I'll I'll tell you, I preached this one to myself to start with. And the title of it is How to Overcome Famine. And in Joel chapter 1, verse 16, the Bible says, Is it not meat cut off before our eyes? Is not the meat cut off before our eyes? Yea, joy and gladness from the house of our God. Joel's asking a question, and he he he's, its a question we ought to ask ourselves every day. And what he's asking, he—he's saying, it is what sustains us being cut off. Is not what is does that causes us to have growth and causes us to live being cut off and when that happens are you not losing the joy and the gladness of coming to God's house and, and in this simple question I want us to look at how do you overcome this kind of a famine I mean when you when you look at the things that happens here it talks about how God sends the, the locusts and things and, and so my question today is how do you do it and I'm not, I'm not saying or asking, have you, have you been entertained when you come to the house of the Lord? So that's what a lot of people want is to come to God's house and say, well, it wasn't a good service because I, I didn't feel the Spirit. But the question is, why did you come? See, the thing is, we all want to have a, a good set of songs. We all love to sing it, and it brings us close. It prepares our heart. But if that's why you came, then there's a problem. And see, it, it's there's so many people today, that's the one thing they're looking for, is they want to come to the house of the Lord, and they want to be entertained. So I'm asking you this morning, did you, did you come with your fork? Did you come ready to feast on what God has for us? And, and you know you, you think a lot of times what we need to do, we need to come to worship. We need to come say, Lord, hey, it's been a bad week. It's been a horrible thing. Open my heart. Prepare me that I might hear what you have to tell me, that I might draw close to you. Feed me so that I can be sustained. And, and listen to this. Amos tells us in Amos chapter 8, verse 11, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. See, God told us, He says, there's coming a day that that's what's going to be the problem because what sustains us is God's Word. What grows us is God's Word. The, the worship is great, but the worship isn't everything. And that's the problem. It's like somewhere we got it backwards. And... and you know, and I joked about putting you to sleep. And I do have a monotone voice that can do that. And I know that. Hey, I've seen people drift off. I've seen people slide right out of the pews. And it happens. I've been there. I've sat. And and, and, and I remember there was this one preacher, and everybody said, "Oh, he's so good. And I'm like, he's giving me a headache. He's so dry. And people over just scribbling notes. I'm like, what am I missing? And the thing was, it wasn't what am I his his preaching, it was my heart being prepared. I didn't come to feast. I came to be entertained. And and so God said, I'm I'm saying that there's coming a day when there's gonna be a famine. And you how you can tell if there's a famine in the land? For God's world, world, word, look at the condition of the world. Look at the moral condition of the world around you, and let me ask you a question. Is there a famine of the word in the world today? Because people aren't becoming what God wants them to be. You know, did you, l- listen, he said this. God said, I will send the famine. And the reason why he said that, you know, well, well Paul tells us. In Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, Paul tell, tells us exactly why God sends the famine. He says, for... The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, did you hear that? After their own lust shall keep to themselves teachers having itchy ears, and they shall turn their ears away from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Let me tell you, does that not describe what's going on in America today? People love to to be told the positive stuff, hey, and I love preaching the positive stuff. You know, you, you, you can you nasty preacher. It's it's good to get up, have a wonderful positive uplifting service. But let me tell you, when God gets you, man, he you open His Word, you get into His Word, and that Word cuts you like a sword. And you go, Lord, I don't know if I if I can if I can preach this. This is not nice. This is not wonderful. It's not uplifting. And God says, this is the message I'm laying on your heart. You better deliver it. Because I've tried sometimes to say, I don't want to preach that, God. And I get up and preach something. I want to preach but People are like... They're like, where are away. I'm telling you something wonderful. See, God had prepared somebody's heart for the Word. And people don't want to hear it, Dave. Nobody likes to be told they're doing things wrong. Nobody wants to be told, hey, that's not right. We live in a society that we want everything to be tolerated except the truth, except morals, except what the Bible teaches. I mean, when you argue what's life, And you say a child is not life at conception, but you get excited when they find bacteria on Mars. Say, oh, look, there's life on Mars, but there's not life in the womb. There's something wrong. And we live... Oh, and we got to accept everything because, oh, if you don't, you're not doing what God wants you to do. Read the Bible. Apply the word and see what it says for you to do. Good morning, I've got three things. You say, oh my, how many does three things go? But I got three main things. Let me rephrase that. That we need to do to stop the famine in our lives. First, we need to have a return for the hunger of Righteousness. See, that's one of the problems. We've gotten away, and the world has gotten away. America has gotten away with what righteousness should be. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, he said, Blessed are the hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know, there's a difference in just knowing what it is, but how many of us truly hunger for it? I mean, you, you, you think, hey, I, I found out to the damn I'm diabetic. You, you know what, Jimmy? I want sweets so bad. It's about to kill me. Julie keeps getting on to it. Where's this candy wrapper come from? I go, what candy wrapper? See, I hunger for it. How many of us hunger for God's word so much you're going to do whatever you can to get it? Do you hunger and thirst after righteousness in your life, you gotta think, what is righteousness? We talk about it a lot, but what is it? So I'm gonna give you the the, the the definition for it. Righteousness and human standards is defined as the quality of being morally true and justifiable. Being morally true and justifiable. Now, if you put that in the biblical sense, here's what it means to do. It means to be accepted and pleasing God. To please God. You know, the problem with the world today is we're like, well, hey, God loves everybody and everything's great. And all you got to do is just smile and just every once in a while you wear a t-shirt with a Bible verse on it, you're good. That's not hungering and thirsting after being what God wants you to be to be justifiable, to be, when he looks at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, everybody thinks, oh, oh I, I'm going to live like the devil. When I get to heaven, he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Yeah, I can just imagine that. You know, and you think about it. That's what the world wants today. And what's bad is a lot of us, that's the same way we approach that. When I thought about hungering and thirsting after righteousness, there's one story in the Bible that that came to mind to me that just 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 kind of just grabbed me. You know, because when Jesus says this, Jesus said in Matthew 22:37, He said this. Jesus said to him, "Thou shalt love the Lord God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind." And I got thing. I said, you know, the truth is, that's so easy to say we do, but in truth. We're more like the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15, verses 12 through 24, we find the story of the prodigal son. Here's a young man who lives with the father. The father provides everything he needs for life. But somewhere along the line, the young man says, Hey, Dad, I got this. I know better how to manage my life than you do, give me what's mine, and I, thought, I said, you know, that's a lot like us in our Christian walk, there comes a time in a lot of our lives, where we start saying, hey God, I got this, I'm gonna, I got my life, I can handle it, I can do everything, if, if I need you, I know where you are, and just like the prodigal, when you get that kind of an attitude that you don't need the Father in your life all the time, well, well, I'm okay during the week. I, I go to church on Sundays, and and and, and, I, and I read the Bible occasionally, and I, I read it when I see a Bible verse laying around somewhere, and I'm like, hey, that's in the Bible, I think. And, and I'm just nice to people. Well, let me tell you, if you don't need the father all the time, there's a problem in your life. And it started. You see, this young man went off all, all the way. The father was always concerned. The Bible says he watched daily for his return. But see, my Bible teaches me something. The father never leaves you nor forsakes you. But we do him the opposite. We try to leave him. We, We forsake him. And before long, instead of hungering for righteousness, you start hungering for what the world has. And before long, you're feeding like the prodigal did in the pig pen of the world, eating the husk that the pigs would eat. And you know what? Hust don't fill you. Hust don't make you better. It's like the world won't never give you what God can give you. It'll give you something you think will sustain you. And I always love that story because it says when he came to himself, when he realized, could you imagine? Here I am, I'm feeding with the pigs. Here I am covered in their slop covered in their mess, covered in the mud of them, and I'm down here eating with them. And I realize the least in my father's house has more than me. See, that's when you realize I'm hungering for the wrong thing. Father, take me back. I'll do anything. You ever been there? You ever come to that part, you're in the pig pen? And let me tell you, you start saying, God, I'll do whatever you want. And and, and answered the call on my life. And he led me to it. I'll never forget being in the world. And, and, And it did not satisfy me. Oh, it didn't help none. But then when God opened my eyes, I'm like, Lord, if you'll just let me come back. It, 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 if all I have to do for you is, is pick pick the clovers out of the grass at the church, I'll do that with everything I got. How many of you have ever reached that point in your life that you're just hungering to please God any way you can? Because, you know, our problem is, is, is we don't. We, we're more like the prodigal. And so until we truly say, Lord, let me sell out to you. We want to stay like the prodigal. And and, and it's like Hebrews, uh, in Hebrews 11, 25, you know, choosing. We need to, to realize we need to choose God because it says choosing rather the affliction of the people of God that enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season because you can get out in the world and you can enjoy it for a little bit. What you're feeding on won't do nothing but make you sick. John, I've often wondered about the Apostle John. And, 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 and you know, in his gospel, he's the beloved. And things right. But he, he writes a verse in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that lets you realize somewhere in his life he realized this, that he wasn't hungry and thirsty. Because here's what he said. He says, if we, he didn't say if you, he says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And here's the best part. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me tell you, can you imagine when the prodigal came home? I I, I wonder how much he tried to scrape off on his own. I'm covered in pig slop. I'm covered in, in pig dirt. I gotta get it off. I'm gonna go home. He comes home and the father says, bring the best robe. For he that was dead is now alive. See, because God knows how when you confess your sins to him to cleanse you from that. And all that unrighteousness is cleansed. God says he takes your sins and casts them as the east is from the west. What remembers it is us. And that little accuser who likes to bring them back up to you. Oh, you think you're good? What about when you was doing this? You say, hey, devil, shut up. I hunger and thirst now for the right thing. I hunger for righteousness. I want to be pleasing in my my God's eyes. How many of us hunger and thirst for what's true and what needs to be? Listen to this I to, before I go to my next one. Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. It says, bring forth fruits for meat for repentance. You ever think about when you bring forth fruits, meat for repentance, it shows in your life. shows like the life, in the life of the thief on the cross. I want you to think about his life had been miserable horrible he deserved it. but on the cross somewhere he realized who the man beside him was and cried out to him and Jesus said today you'll be with me in paradise no longer do we see or hear anything from that thief but I guarantee you there was something different in his eyes there was something different about him, because he knew where he was going. It ought to show in your life if you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. The next thing is we need to repent from the failure of the calling that God's placed on our life. Paul wrote Timothy in Second Timothy chapter two, verse I mean, chapter one, verse nine. He said this. He's Who have saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. You you, you think about something God called you with a holy calling. I I want you to hear some more. Listen some more. Paul's words from one Corinthians chapter seven, verses twenty-two through twenty-four. Paul said this, he said, For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, also he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. You're brought with a price. But not ye the servants of men, brethren, that every man wherein he is called, therein abide with God. Paul reminds us that That we've been called, and and it was like a servant, a bondsman, which was a slave. You've been called and you're to God. So are you doing that calling on your life? You said, Well, preacher, I don't know what it is. You've got a calling. You preach. Everybody has a calling. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, when you realized there was no other way to heaven but through Jesus Christ there was a calling placed on your life. Jesus told his disciples before he ascended, he said, go and make disciples. You know what a disciple is? is somebody who follows after somebody else. So let me ask you a question. What kind of disciple are you making? Because everybody's got a calling on their life and everybody's doing it. The thing is, what calling are you answering? Are you answering God's calling? Are you doing what he told you to do? You know, yeah, he's called some people to do a little more. And they got a little bit different kind of talents. I, I, I remember when he called me to preach. I'm like, you got the wrong guy. God, I don't like people. I can't stand up in front of people. God says, I'm an enabler too. When I tell you, I don't just say, here, here's what you should do. I give you the ability to do it. And it's funny, I get a hunger and desire to get up and stand and preach God's word now. And I remember in high school, man, I I had a desire to take an F before I gave an oral book report that nobody listened to because there was a fear in my life about talking. And God said, I'm an enabler. He's enabled you to be a disciple maker. The thing is, are you going to follow? say so you do it by living your life pleasing to god because you are the only scripture a lot of people you live it you know and i think the problem is is we got this idea here in america that as long as we show up at church every once in a while or and, and do everything watch it we ought to be we're okay you know, you but you know one you let me tell you another You're called also to live it every day. You're called to worship. How many of you came in today during worship and worshiped? Jesus said there's coming a day that you got to worship. How many of you truthfully came today to be fed and to get closer to God? Or is this just a habit? It's Sunday. It's where we're supposed to. It's Sunday. My wife made me. It's Sunday. Well, ever since I've been a kid, we gone to church. That's not the answer. Because if that's your answer, why are you here? Why are you watching? If the answer is because that's what I'm supposed to do, you need to get on your knees and say, God, I'm, I, I'm sorry because that call you placed on my life. I'm not I, I I'm I'm. I'm I'm running more people away from you than. How are you living your life? Let me hurry right quick. The last one. We need to come to God's house, to do what God calls us to do when we get here. Like I said, it's not a place of habit. You ain't Catholic, so this is not a place of penance. Oh, uh, I went to church. I'm good now. You now, that's what a lot of people think. I went Sunday. I got them sins forgiven for a week. Can't wait tomorrow. I can go do some more. Oh, yeah. You know, we, 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 we got to remember what is God's house? First, it's a house of prayer. Isaiah 56, 7 says this, even them will I bring to my holy mountain. Listen to this. If you don't hear nothing else, make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings, their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Now, here's my question to you this morning. How many of you prayed since you've walked through the door? Not just closed your eyes, bowed your heads when I prayed, but how many of you have actually prayed since you came to the house of prayer today? I mean, it, it, it's like it's ever been invited over to somebody's house to eat. Did you just walk in, grab a fork, start eating, get up and leave? No, you spend a little time talking to the one who invited you. That's the whole reason you fellowship over the meal. How many of you have talked to the one whose house you was invited to today? This is a house of prayer. Prayer is communication with God. And if we're not doing it, what are you doing here today? So you're putting me to sleep. I I am I'm I, I'm I, I, I'm just here because I, I, I had a bad week. Well, if you ain't talking, guess what? God probably said, "Why do you keep showing up? What what? Where's your sacrifice? That sacrifice of praise, that sacrifice of prayer." You know, we 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 forget. You know. Some of us are we're, we're just we're, we're we're more quiet, you know. And I, I was that when I was when before God called me, I was that quiet person. People used to ask you they say, "Your husband just don't talk," and everybody thought I was unfriendly. Maybe we got to remember what Paul told us to do. Paul told the church of Philippi. And Philippians chapter four, verse six, he said this, he said, be careful or don't be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known unto God. When you come into God's house, you need to start talking, say, Lord, I've had a bad week. If it was a great week. Lord, I had a great week. Help me get prepared for next week. This is also not only a house of prayers, a house of needs. Paul said in that same book in Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 he said this, my God supply all your needs according to his riches and the glory by Christ Jesus. He said I'm going to give you what you need but the question is are you going to ask for it? Now quick, now, now understand the difference in needs and wants. Whenever I always think about that I always think about when Brie was a little girl and, and she didn't study for a test and, and she failed it and her mom said didn't you study? And she says no but I prayed about it. So that was a walk, that wasn't a need. Well, after that, she really needed it because she got in trouble. But see, the thing is, you know, God said he'll supply your needs, but if you're not talking to him, if you're not coming to the house of prayer, then you're not getting into the house of needs. Your needs are not being met because you're not talking to the one that says, hey, I've got problems, I've got sickness, I've got issues, there's things going on in my life. You know, some of us this morning, we need to remember what Peter said in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Some of you need to be praying for your health. Some of you need to be praying for friends, for family, for different things. Have you even thought about that since you've been in his house today? The last one, harbor of hope. It's a place where you can come and throw your anchor in the middle of a storm. It's a place where you can, can, can say, Lord, I don't know. I can't handle this, but he can. It's a place to bring your cares. It's a place to bring your problems. It's a place to realize that God's true to his word. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says this. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. God says, I can give you something you won't find anywhere else. I'll give you hope and I'll give you peace. But you got to do like the Bible said you got to bring in your cares. Jesus said, You got to bring me, you know, take my yoke, bring me your troubles, bring me your problems. I want to close with the, the word of Joel. As a reminder of the hope in our life. In Joel chapter 2, verse 23, it says this. It says, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately. And he will cause to come down for you the rain and the former rain and the latter rains in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the pommel worm, my great army which I sent amongst you. You shall eat plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. Let me tell you what he's saying. When you came, come back to me. When you realize that there's a famine in your life, I'll send you what it takes to get rid of the famine. See, well, famines were caused from a lack of rain. He says, I'll send you exactly what you need for your life to grow. I'll give you more than you could handle. Because if you remember, I sent those locusts. I sent those palmer worms because you turned your back on me. But when you return, I'll give you more and more. It's like Job. Now, Now, Job never did nothing, but God used him. He lost everything. When God repaid him, he repaid him more than he ever had before. See, God's waiting for a lot of us to realize that we're in a famine. And we're starving. And he says, when you come back, I'll give you more than you can. But the thing is, you've got to come back. You've got to realize it. See, a lot of us are content. How many of you are chewing on them husk instead of feasting with the Father? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you, Lord, I know you tell us in your Word and Proverbs that, that you will not suffer the right, the soul, the righteous to famish, but you do remind us that you'll carry away the substance of the wicked. And Father, there's some of us, even though we don't realize it, we're not where we need to be. That there's a famine in our heart and there's a famine in our life because we're not listening to your word. Some come just to be entertained. Some come just because they're supposed to. Some are watching because it's habit. But Father, we all need to realize without you, we're starving. Without you, we're missing so much. If we'll just come to you like the prodigal did, you'll feed us. You'll, you'll kill the fatted calf for us. And we can rejoice with you. But until that day, Father, keep knocking on the doors of our heart until we open it. Lord, some people don't need to even getting sleep until they open that door. Father, have your way in this invitation. In the Lord's name I pray. Amen. I ask you to stand to your feet, and we're going to sing page 107, 107. as we sing, The Altar's Open. If you didn't respond, you're held on. Just imagine this: God shut the door, and that was your one verse. As that song said, "Oh, how sad to face the judgment." Let's do one more. The he stands at the door and knocks. What will you do? Family night's a good way to invite people to church. Come and tie the feed bag on. And just have a good time and, and hope everybody is blessed. John, will you close us in prayer this morning?